Blog Talk Radio. You got Facebook, Mindy? Good morning, listeners. Good morning. You have reached the voices of the Cannabis Wars News from the Frontlines radio show, where we are scurrying around real quick to try to bring you the news from the front lines, let you know what is going on in this world where we incarcerate so many people for nonviolent crimes. It's ridiculous, but we're going to talk. One of those nonviolent crimes is cannabis, and that's what this radio show does, is it puts a focus on cannabis crimes and people, people who are going to prison for a plant, serving life sentences. While there's so many people going to prison for a plant, serving life sentences, you know, the plant is just a little tiny piece of a bigger drug war that's going on. So we're getting ready to launch. In fact, today's um, we're going to talk to... Amber Taylor, who's going to talk more in depth about the drug war and how we are all um, right in the middle of it, whether we are in prison or know somebody in prison or what's going on and how it affects this world. So stay tuned because we got her segment coming up around 10. Um, but before I get into the show's layout, I just want to especially thank all of our special guests today, um, especially Becca for screening these calls for us. Um, we love you, Becca, and thank you very, very much. Um, right now she's screening some calls, but um, we this this show is brought to you strictly by volunteers. We do not get paid. We are looking for sponsors to help pay for the show. Right now we're paying for it with our own money. So if you would like to help, we would be able to advertise your who you are and what you do. Um, so do that. And then um, also today is going to be an open mic. So hopefully we're going to be talking to our first guest which is real one, Brandon Benefield. He is going to be talking to a song. You guys know I play at the end of every show, we do a rest in peace. And we talk about all the people who are in prison for the plants, or, or not all the people who are in prison for the plants, but a lot of the people that died for the plants. And we go really deep into detail about, about that. And after that, we play a couple songs, and we always usually always play uh, real ones. It's just a plant. So we, we invited Real One onto the show this morning, which um, onto the show this morning in order to help us talk about that and about the song and about why it's important to our world because the show the song is just really 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 cool. So after we talk to Real One, we're going to talk to Craig Cecil, who's calling in from prison, serving his life sentence. Yes, life sentence for a plant. Um, he's on his fifteenth year. And after that, we're going to talk to George Monterano, who just was recently freed after 33 years of his life sentence. Yes. And then we're going to talk, and it's, it's his regular weekly segment, Georgie's Corner. And then after that, we're going to talk to Amber Taylor, whose father is serving life in prison for one joint. Yes, life in prison for a joint. Um, and that's when she's going to talk to us about her with her new segment, Drug War 101 with Amber Taylor. Then after that, Jeff Eichen is going to join us. Jeff is doing a documentary called Lifers, the movie. And Jeff's main focus is cannabis prisoners, but Jeff also is trying to bring the drug war into the picture to show, you know, what, how, how serious it is and how it affects everybody. So he's going to bring a special guest on. Call, his name is going to be Anthony Papa. And Anthony is the author of a book, 15 to Life, and how he painted his way to freedom. He is literally an artist who wrote this book and just was freed of his life sentence just recently. So he's going to join us 
um, as, as Jeff's special guest on the show today. So we'll talk to the two of them at about 10.15. And then we're going to talk to uh, maybe Stephanie Landa. I know, I know she's going to visit her son. She asked what time to call in, and I haven't had a chance, chance to let her know yet, but um, I did let her know. So hopefully we'll talk to her. Um, Hold on, you guys. I'm sending a message here, a reminder to a, to one of our guests at, at the time to call into the show so we're able to get get it through. So anyway, so yeah, after we talk to Stephanie Landa and Tom Corby, we're going to go um, do our rest in pieces and then go into our closing. Um, so I got a few things to tell our other host of the show, which I want to just introduce her. Her name is uh, Mindy Griffiths. Mindy is hosting the show with us. Um, Eugene Fisher used to be the host of the show, who served 25 years of a life sentence for cannabis, and then Eugene just recently passed away, so Mindy is here. Um, so, good morning, Mindy. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Kristen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, um, so, speaking of Eugene, what? I just want to give, just speaking of Eugene, I want to give a special shout out to his daughter, Carla, who I um, got a message from again this morning, and um, she's so supportive of us in the show, and, and it's great to hear from her. So good morning, Carla. Good morning, Carla. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So everybody listening, I, Mindy, I got to visit one of our uh, prisoners, POWs, Chris Williams, uh, who's serving 10 years, went to trial, was found guilty of it and um, for medical cannabis and went to prison, which Chris is not the only one. Um, there's a lot of them, in fact. Um, one of them is Luke Scarmazzo, who who is friends with our coming up guest, uh, real one. And so we're going to talk to him just a little bit about that coming up real quickly. But my visit with Chris went really, really well, Mindy. Oh, I just feel. And guess what? Guess when he's getting out? Um, well, soon I hope because I think he's only serving five, not ten. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, Chris is, but well, Luke is serving 22 years, but um, it's he's getting out. Okay, I've got two good newses to tell everybody. Okay, Chris is getting out December 22nd. It was pushed up from November because of the fight he got into when he went in the hole last last a couple months ago. Okay, then I, I have some special news that I specifically want to tell when Real One is on. It's about Eddie. I actually talked to Eddie yesterday on the phone. Beth, I'm just gonna oh squirt goodness. it out because I can't wait. Yes, I was shopping at the mall, and a number came up, and I answered it. It was like, you have a call from the federal prison, and it said, Eddie Lepp. And I was like, what? Eddie Lepp is calling me? But anyway, so yeah, he wanted to give me the special news, especially for all of our listeners listening, that he's really anxious and excited to be out. His release date is going to be December 7th. He's going to need some clothing. December 7th, yes, he's being released in California. He's going to need some clothing, things like that. Which brings us, Mindy, we've got our next guest waiting on the line who actually wrote a song and included Eddie in his song. It's really cool. So let's bring, let's bring, he, so he's, he, you know, here's the thing. Our, our next guest is a rapper. He sings a lot of rap songs specifically about the plant. We're going to ask him why he sings about the plant. But he also is an activist. Through his songs, he talks to us about the plant and why it shouldn't be legal and he mentions our plant prisoners and we're just going to get all into that in in fact um Mindy do you want to bring him should we bring him on now absolutely let's get that let's get him on yes 
Okay, cool. So here is a real one. Um, you guys also may know him as Brandon Benefield. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good morning. We're now. good. Right on. How is it so, in California this morning? Uh, it's a little early for me, but, you know. Yes, amen to that. <laughs> um, we do this every Sunday morning. We get together and we have we we talk about um, prohibition and how we're going to end it. But real one, you get out there and you rap about it. What 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 drives you to do that all the time? Because I don't want when I first time I saw your concert, when your concert, there was like so many people that came from everywhere screaming as soon as you started rapping, like and you had a whole entire hip fest going crazy. What what drives you to get up there and, and rap about our plant? Well, what you just said, basically, you know, the people uh, basically drive me to do it, just the love for the plant and just spreading the word, basically. So one way of doing it is, is through music. And, you know, I kind of, like, watched, like, Jack and stuff like that through the years, just speaking on stage and stuff. And, you know, and I'm just Jack. A lot of people that speak, you know, and they have good messages, but they – you know, a lot of times it would get boring. You know what I'm saying? People lose lose uh, their attention span really quick. So I kind of did it in a different way, just put it in music to hopefully get people to where it'd be repetitive in their head, you know what I mean, with different messages. So I like We like that. We like that because it works. Yeah, it does. I mean, you know, that way they could, you know, when, when it's in song form, you know, it's obviously they listen to the song over and over, and eventually maybe they'll get – one of the messages, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think we're going to play that song. So the song that we're going to play is Real One's It's Just a Plant. And Real One, we play this song um, on a lot of our shows at the end of the show um, when we when we close out our show. So our listeners are very, very familiar with the song already. But for those who are not familiar with the song, who have not heard the song yet, um, this is called It's Just a Plant. And it talks a quite a bit about some things, and we're going to get into those with Real One just a little bit deeper after we listen to the song. So please, everyone, enjoy the song. It's called Real One. It's from Real One. It's just a plant. Okay, we're waiting for it to press to go. It's moving a little slow. Oh no, it says it's playing, Mindy, but it's not. Isn't that the way it always works? Man, what is going on? Okay, hold on. We're going to try it again. Oh. We'll try this one then. Now we'll go back to it. I played it this morning. Okay. Okay. Smoke it up, cause herb is superb Don't run from the tears, spread the word Ask Rick Simpson, he got the answer Find out how he cured cancer Look it up on YouTube, show a friend or two It might be worth a shot to save a life or two It's amazing what a little boy can do Especially when it kills what a lot my mom do 
illegal It saves people, we don't get another chance No sequel The crime fighting against this medicine And putting people like Eddie Clef in federal prison I'm on a mission with this marijuana movement To get the word out, to get the facts proven Live strong, live strong, live wrong Kick back, take a hit from the phone Packing bongos, cutting up grass like Honda lawnmowers. It's just a plant, a usable herb. We need to go green, it's what the earth deserves. If we grow hemp, we can help save trees. If we grow hemp, we can save the economy. If we grow hemp, we provide what we need. We need to grow hemp for humanity. You need to do your research on hemp history. 
try to deal with the bullshit has all been an inspiration, you know. My Losing my mom to cancer was probably the main one, you know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. That's what really got me going. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've known Luke since yeah, we were probably, I don't know, 10 years old or something. Wow. Yeah, Luke's, uh, Luke is someone we talk about quite a bit, Luke and Ricardo, and, um, and then – I wasn't. I'm not sure if you were able to hear what Kristen said about Eddie before you came on. No, um, no that's awesome. Yeah. December yeah, so seventh. Yeah. Uh, Eddie was another big inspiration too. I mean, you know, Jack. Reading Jack's book really. Uh, Emperor wears no clothes. Like obviously, that's what a lot of that song is about. Um, you know, that was Jack, Eddie, Rick Simpson. You know, those guys like that. What you know, inspired that song, as you can tell, but, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, it goes on. So, um, go ahead, Kristen. Oh, you go ahead, Minnie. Uh, I was just going to, I was just going to say that I know that your music inspires a lot of people. Do you ever get any criticism for the music that you make? Oh yeah, of course. But I mean, not not as I think it's more positive than negative. But you know, there's always those people who don't like it. Does that negative criticism does it give you an opportunity to educate people in ways that you wouldn't normally? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it's more fuel to the fire. Actually, you know, a lot of the time we're preaching to the choir. A lot of these things. It seems like to tell somebody has no clue, you know, than somebody that pretty much already knows everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot um, of them out real, there. Um, I so in the song you sing about um, him that the cannabis can heal the world. Um, you mentioned that it's a usable herb, that it's medicine because you mentioned the Rick Simpson oil can cure cancer. Um, you talk about um, reefer madness and Ainslinger and how it's propaganda. Um, this, like everything you talk about, just dates back. This is like a whole history of like a whole, a whole hundred years, base almost of of prohibition. Um, and you talk about the emperor wears no clothes, and that that um, Jack Hare wrote for everybody to read. Um, is there anything about the book that stands out to you the most? That's a good question. I don't know. There's a lot in there, man. Just like the. Uh... <laughs> The, the part about like when they had every growing, you know, like uh, when they're going to war and had made like farmers had to grow hemp, you know what I mean, to supply the demand for it. In the 1942 hemp victory and all that. You're kind of cutting out a little bit. There's a lot of stuff in there that's just. Um, I don't know, the information's in there is crazy. I mean, you can read it over and over again and always find something new. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the, the history of it, like the people that used it, you know, like Queen Victoria, like just like the – it's just been it's been used for medicine forever. And then uh, I guess in 19, the early 1930s, late 1930s, when Anslinger came into office and decided he didn't like it anymore, and that's basically when it all started, you know, the old, old, old propaganda. Right, right, right. So, 
Um, so I've, I've got we've got um, somebody on the other on the, uh, listening to the show. His name is Jeff Eichen. He's doing a movie called the documentary Lifers, and he's wondering where can people get if they want to listen to the song. Where can they listen to the song at? Uh, well, SoundCloud, uh, everything basically at Real One Two Hundred Nine with one spelled out, and uh, it's on Spotify, iTunes. You know all the different digital download sites, also Amazon. Now you don't just, you know. This isn't your only song. You have quite a bit of other songs out there. Is there any other songs that you would recommend people download or or listen to? Well, if you want to, there's like another song called Cannabis Can. I mean, the whole album. I mean, uh, Read for Madness is which the Just a Plant was on. Uh, that's more of like an activist kind of. You know, a lot of activist-type songs. And uh, then I have Flight 420. That that album is kind of a mixture. It was just a little bit of everything. But, yeah, real1209.com is where you can find it. Or, like, Reverb Nation. You can listen to a lot of the songs for free and download some of them. Okay, okay. Um, now, you also, when you, when you, we, we always see you at events, and you have a line of clothing as well. Um, is there, you want to tell us about your line of clothing and where people can get your clothes and where you're going to be at next and where they can see you at? Uh, we're working on that right now. We're basically just kind of finished up with, it's kind of the end of, uh, the festival season and all that, you know, we probably the next spot will be out. We're not performing there, but we'll probably be at the Emerald Cup hanging out okay, with okay. the Greenleaf Magazine crew and just kind of chilling there, but we're working on some stuff, uh, yeah, just got some stuff in the works. I guess you can keep it with uh, Facebook and you know Instagram and stuff like that to follow and just kind of keep track of what we're doing. Okay, so your Facebook is good. Mindy, is there anything you um, want to ask, real one? Anything else? Um, um, no, I think we covered it. I was really look um, interested in where people could see him next. It sounds like uh, we we're gonna have to wait wait till next season yeah, to but- really get to hear you again. Yeah, I didn't see you guys at Portland Hempstock. We yeah uh, we we that that was a that was a struggle. We didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> we had plans, but things plans like fell apart just before the fest. So yeah, we weren't there. But we're gonna yeah, be there next good. year. So. Okay, okay. Well, real one you know, is, is what. What was that? Is there anything you would... Go ahead. Is there anything you would want our listeners to know and to, or to know before we get off the phone? I just check out, you know, the music at uh real1209.com. Uh if you're in the California area, you can come check us out tonight. Actually, we got the Shattershot sesh, you know, that we do every Sunday, so you can always come get okay, the music where... in closing there too. I think that's I think that's where Stephanie Landis, she has a, a, it's called Freedom Grow, where she raises commissary money for our prisoners. That's where she goes as well. And I believe the Emerald Cup. So that's cool. We got you rapping about the about our people and about the plant. We got Stephanie raising money for the for, the, for our people. Um, I have one more question. We didn't talk about Eddie very much. Um, he's going to be out soon. So are you anxious? Isn't he in Northern California? You're also in Northern California as well? Yeah, just depending on what part of Northern California is pretty big. So, but yeah, definitely. Um, 
You are a huge advocate for Eddie. I always see you wear a sweatshirt and um, you rap about him. So that'll be cool. Yeah, it's going to be cool to have him out. I mean, it's, you know, obviously sooner than what was expected, you know, the full 10 years or whatever they tried to give him, which was bullshit in the beginning. But it is what it is. He did his time. He made it through it. One thing that two of your friends have in common, um, Eddie and Luke, is that they both stood up and went to trial. And not. Uh, and here's the thing: out of all the federal systems, they have they get 98% conviction rate, and only 97% of them go to trial, or only 97% of them take deals. So only 1%, 1% of all the cases that go through the federal system go to trial. So you have two friends that are very rare to find, and that both went to trial. So like I think that is really cool that um your you know your your friends stand up for our rights like that. Yeah, it is awesome. I guess we're all kind of yeah. yeah, you got I some mean, good all, friends. Pretty cool. I mean, all of us just stand up for the plant and do what we do. You know, I mean, everybody has their own little position, I guess you can say, you know, in different aspects and different ways, but it, it takes all of us to do it. Right, right, for sure. For sure. All right, well, thank you for coming on the show. And anytime you want to um, come on our show and play a song, you're welcome. We would love to have you. And um, we thank you for being a big voice. That's what we are. We're the voices of the cannabis war. And, like, your voice is so big because you're a rapper and everybody's attracted to you. And so you can really get the word out. And, and, and we, we commend you and look up to you for that. And thank you for, for coming on our show. Our listeners love you, by the way. The people who listen to our show, they, they love you. Like, I don't know, you know Tom Corby from Northern California. He comes on our show every week, and he is one of your biggest fans. So hey, Tom's awesome. Thank you, for, thank you for, for coming on and talking with us. We appreciate it. Definitely. I appreciate you guys, too. All right, cool. Well, have a beautiful Sunday. You, too. All right, bye. You guys have a good one. Mindy would say bye too, but she had to run run to the run run to the restroom real quick because she so she's not on. So, but she oh there she is. Mindy, we're saying bye to real one. You want to say bye? Have a good oh, have a back. good Sunday, real. Oh, it looks like he might have hung up already. All right, Mindy. Well, we're waiting for Trey to call. We got a couple minutes. Um, is there anything that you want to talk about? I want to hear more about your visit with Chris. Oh gosh. Okay, so Chris. Oh, my gosh. He's going to be getting out. See, here's the thing with Chris. I haven't been very good at core links lately. My personal life, like I do this radio show every Sunday, but my personal life with my family and stuff has been needing my full attention. So I haven't had, and with work and everything, I haven't had a lot of time to communicate with prisoners, much less my good friend Chris Williams, my dad's business partner. So he's been feeling shitty about it, and so I just, I just, instead of sending him messages and talk, communicating with him the hard way, I just went to the the prison, which is in my community, and um, saw him. I haven't seen him in a couple months, probably, probably like four months or so. And so um, last time I went to see him, I was irritated and was turned away because I had a wire in my bra, and I hate wireless bras. So I've been avoiding a visit with him because I don't want to wear a wireless bra. But it's the sacrifices we make to visit our loved ones. So yesterday I went in there with a wireless bra. I wore a big sweatshirt so you couldn't tell. <laughs> but you did anyway, I went in wait, there. wait, 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 back up, Kristen. Did you just yes. say that you well, finally 
after like a year of, of, of going in and trying to sneak through with your wire draw, you finally <laughs> just buckled and did it their way? I did, Mindy, and I was so mad. Like, oh, I wow. It's so embarrassing. Like, I, I hate the bra. I hate it. Here's the thing. Your boobs, aren't supposed, your boobs aren't supposed to touch each other. And with a, a sports bra or whatever you want to call the wireless bras, they do. They touch massively. And it's just, oh, I just hate it. So, anyway, and it looks weird, too. Oh, so, yeah, we're this is an internet show. <laughs> anyway, so, yes, I did it. And I went in. And Chris said you couldn't even tell, so that was kind of good to know. But well, anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we had a good visit. Um, he's he was doing good. He's he's anxious to get out. He told me about why he was on lockdown, and basically, I'm not going to say the exact reason, but it's on on air. But it it has a lot to do with um, prison politics, which breaks my heart because on the free side of the world. Chris has no politics. He doesn't follow anything like that. But in order to survive in a high-functioning penitentiary, penitentiary, you have to follow the politics. Otherwise, you risk being raped, killed, beat. I mean, it's 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 not a pretty sight in there. So, um, so yeah, he ended up having to, he got into a fight and got two months of being on lockdown and oh so Mindy he said he said that he's been getting mail um he's been getting mail and I said from the north people who are reading the northwest leaf lately and I said yes because we've been writing about you for the last couple months so we're telling everybody about you how you're in the hole and stuff so thank you to everybody who sent Chris mail even when I was neglecting him as a friend and um, everybody else has been in the mail. So, you know, you, you everybody kept his spirits alive. And that, that feels good to know that people are thinking about him. But um, he, he told me he had Stephanie landed in his heart because she had been sending him commissary money. In fact, Stephanie was even at his trial. So he just wanted to mention that, asked how she was doing and to mention you know, that she was in his heart. Hey, Mindy, talk to the listeners about Chris for a second because guess who called me Craig Cecil. So hold on for a second, Kay. So uh, I, I'm actually going to move on from Chris. I've been up here at a place called uh, the Okanagan Barter Fair, which I would have never really thought would be a great place for prison outreach, but I think that next year I want to do a booth here. There is a zillion, like, I don't know, 10,000 people at this place. And I've had the opportunity to walk around and several times talk about POWs. Um, people, again, are shocked. It's, it's not just a cannabis place. So, Oh, good morning, Craig. Good morning. Craig on the line. Hello. Hello. Yay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How is it there in Indiana? Actually, we're having a beautiful day. It's forecast to be about 70 degrees today, and it's nice and sunny. So that's unseasonably warm for now, and we're certainly enjoying it. Oh, I can imagine. In that terribly awful building you're in, any amount of uh, average temperature must be nice. Right, and any ability to get out of the building is is a treat because I try to stay outside the building as much as possible. It's it's ugly in here. 
What like kinds say, of things do you, are you able to do like, outside? Pardon? What kinds of things are you able to do outside? I, you know, I know different prisons have different, quote-unquote, amenities. Um, some have nothing but a cement slab, and others have gardens. Um, what's What's your situation? Well, there's no gardens here or anything like that, but we do have a recreational yard, and uh, I'm a person that likes to walk and jog, so I do quite a bit of that. I'm also active uh, with the softball league. I'm the softball league scorekeeper. I'm, you know, active in a bunch of other things out on the recreational yard. So that just keeps me, you know, when I go out there, it keeps me active, keeps me uh, doing something other than sitting around or be, especially other than being inside this rotten old building. <laughs> Absolutely. So how has, but how this has week has been, been kind of pretty quiet, which is good. Uh, it's been there hasn't been any major upheaval or things of that nature. Now there's uh, a police retraining program on. Uh, for some reason, I, I guess every year they have to retrain with firearms. They have to retrain with a bunch of things. So we end up uh, not being able to go to work or uh, being uh, stuck in ourselves uh, because, uh, you know, staff is all involved in training, so they really can't let us out and about because there's not enough of them to monitor us. But uh, so far that hasn't hurt us. <laughs> you know, there no hasn't more, been no any No baloney sandwiches? Uh, one day this week. One time this week we had a bologna sandwich, so that's that's actually uh, I would say is overall good. It's better than the the norm. <laughs> yeah, last time they uh, did trainings, I think didn't they take the kitchen staff away and stick you guys with bologna sandwiches for twice a day or something? Oh, actually they did it for the whole month of January and February. They just basically closed the kitchen for supper and gave us bologna sandwiches every day. <laughs> it was horrible. Well, fingers crossed that it doesn't but happen again for this. No. No. But uh, otherwise it's been quiet. One thing I've been happy of is uh, my Chicago Cubs uh, did well last night, so we're going to see how far they can carry that. So I've had a little oh, joy in I that. Oh, I saw that. I watched that, the end of that game last night. Yeah, that was great. I actually got a little teary-eyed for him, and I'm not even a huge Cubs fan, so that was awesome. <laughs> yep, this is their it, first time to the World Series since 1945, and their first chance to win. The last time they've won was 1908. So it's really caused a bunch of bonding here amongst the uh, Many of us that are from Chicago, it's it's kind of kind of fun, you know, because we're all sharing that little bit of joy here. <laughs> oh, that's um, really good news. Hey, I reached out to your daughter Lauren regarding her trip to see some of it, and she is happy. She's going to come on our show just as soon as she gets the itinerary. Um, as soon as she gets her itinerary, she can come on our show and talk about what she wants to accomplish out there and what she exactly she's going to be doing out there. And then uh, when it's over, she'll be coming back onto our show to talk about how it went and what happened while she was there. So we're going to have two shows coming up with your good daughter as our first special guest. We're really interested to hear from her. I'm so happy that she's, that she's able to advocate for you out there, and I can't wait to talk to her. Me and Mindy, we're both excited. 
Oh, she's a great spokesperson. This call is from a federal prison. Um, I mean, she she devotes a lot of time and effort. And when I just brought up the subject to her that, hey, you mentioned, you know, a possibly that she would be able to talk with you guys on the show, she was immediately happy about that. And she, sure, I'm ready, I'll go. <laughs> she was cool. happy about that. Man, that, I love it when daughters come on, on this show. We've had a few of our plant prisoners' daughters on the show, including Luke Scarmazzo's daughter, who I believe was 14 or 15, um, come on and advocate for her dad. And it it, it, it touches my heart so much because, you know, I'm my dad. My dad died in prison, and I'm a daughter. So to hear other daughters advocating for their dads, oh, it makes my whole soul sing. Like, I just love it. I I'm so anxious to hear from your daughter. Yes, and and like I say, she's always been so supportive and all that. She was 14 years old when I was arrested, and uh, you know now she's about to turn 30. And it, uh, uh, you know, she's excited about. Uh, Actually, she's about to turn 29. I almost got myself in trouble. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's not that's not a good age really to mess active, up. You know, trying to help me. Yes, I, I, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> she she may be forgiving for a lot of things. That wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> How are your injuries? I um I actually went to North Callahan for November coalition. I to go out to DC to advocate for our mandatory minimum sentences, and I I was out there and I I told my dad's story to a lot of people. So like I I know the effect it's going to have on your daughter, and it's going to make her like I know she's already strong, but it's it's going to give her such a powerful voice. It's going to be unreal. And I hopefully hopefully in her application she will get you free. And I mean, one thing that she struggled with, you know, especially I got locked up just a matter of days before her eighth grade graduation. So she went through high school talking about her father in, in federal prison, and especially they lived in an area where people just don't go to prison. <laughs> and, uh, but when she had to explain that, you know, my father's in prison and he's doing, a, you know, he's serving a sentence of life without parole. She says the first question everybody asks her is, uh, who did he kill? Why did he kill him? <laughs> she just had a hard time explaining, no, it's merely for a marijuana charge. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's but, real. But she struggled you with know, that Craig, for a long time because people... Yes? I was just going to say that um, along the way, there was a, a plant prisoner that I was advocating for, and... Um, on on Facebook, I tagged his daughter, which means that, you know, all of her friends could see the post. And I didn't realize that she was so embarrassed by it that none of her friends knew. And that I was basically outing her on everything. Um, that is a real struggle for young, especially teenage children of pop prisoners. So hearing your story about your daughter, it really touches me. Yes, because, I mean, like like all of us when we were in high school, I mean, we struggled to be accepted. We struggled, you know, to be normal, I guess, uh, you know, not stand out, especially over, you know, imprisonment or crime or, you know. And so, I mean, she really had a struggle with that. But, uh 
I think you people, you know, and she can support others that are, you know, in that situation, and just as Kristen can and others, you know, by having experienced it. Exactly. Um, Craig, before, before you came on the show, we were talking to our first guest was a rapper. His name is Real One, and he has a couple friends in prison, um, and he he raps about it, and he he gets up on stage and like talks about prohibition and you know Jack Care and the history of it. And I was reminded like of history, like when you because we had just talked about him. He he mentioned something that happened in the in the 1940s. And he talked about this baseball game from the 1940s in Chicago, and I just can't imagine what prohibition was like in the 1940s um, when we had all of our um, songwriters um, writing songs and getting arrested for cannabis while we were playing baseball. (laughs) Actually, from the little bit I've learned of the alcohol prohibition, which was a, a bit before the uh, uh, marijuana prohibition, is I asked my grandmother about it. My grandmother was born in 1907, so she, you know, she knew the prohibition well. All right. And what, what she basically said about the prohibition is that the difference was is instead of going to the store to buy your beer, you had to make your own beer at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think that's what's going on with a lot of marijuana nowadays. Instead of being able to acquire it legitimately and that, you know, people, there, there's such a network of marijuana in this country, it's available to virtually anybody anywhere, you know, regardless of its legality. <laughs> Time for our lawmakers to, you know, just acknowledge its use in the United States, as as they eventually did with alcohol. <laughs> Is there anything new going on with your case? Have you heard anything this week? Yes, in the last week, the my uh, sentencing judge down in Gainesville, Georgia, entered some orders in the court, and that, and uh, what he's basically trying to do is to. Uh, Block me from being able to appeal him And block me from being able to bring my uh, Legal issues to the Court of Appeals So I'm actually reveling in that Although it's it's making for a fight I didn't want to have to have I think it's a fight I can prevail in And it it lets me know That I'm obviously going down the right road Because uh, they're, they're fighting back for a reason And that reason wouldn't be That they don't think I can win You know, I mean, I think they realize That I may be able to prevail on this And and it, I mean, they just won't look at it. So I think that's a lot of the reason that they're suddenly, you know, after me being sentenced nearly 15 years ago, they're adamantly fighting my ability to bring my case to the Court of Appeals as I, it should be in the Court of Appeals uh, uh, by the end of this year. Oh. But, uh, but my nearly 90-year-old judge, I, uh, I believe I, I, I was just told he was, 86, he might be 87 years old now, but he's he's obviously, you know, not completely intact anymore, <laughs> and, uh, but he's he's making orders to try to block me out of my appeal and all that, and to me that's telling. To, to me it, it, it seems as though he's scared of me going to the Court of Appeals, which are essentially his boss. So right. I'm actually kind of happy about, the, about having to uh, make this an uh, you know, additional fight with him. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Wow. I just can't imagine. I can't imagine what has hardened that man's heart so much 
that after all this time, he's that determined. I mean, is it just his ego? I mean, what is the deal? Why is he so determined? It's frustrating. I mean, I, I can't answer about his personality, but I can tell you his background is that uh, in 1959, he was made a prosecutor. This call is from a federal prison. So he spent several years as a prosecutor before he became a, a FISA judge in 1963 and a district court judge in 1970. And But really, he was, a by training and by experience, he was a prosecutor and became a judge. And it seems wow. to He's still biased. He's very, very biased towards the prosecutors. <laughs> shouldn't he be a? Um, shouldn't that be a conflict of interest or something? You, I mean, how could you be a, a prosecutor and then be a judge? You would favor every prosecutor because you were one, right? Yes, uh, and I mean many. Yeah, marvelous. How do you have a second chance? Like that's not that's. That actually accounts for about half of the federal judges. And they become the judge that interacts with all their former workers. You know, they they go straight from the federal, you know, from the prosecutor's office right to being the judge to decide all the very same cases for the very same, you know, co-workers. Man, it is it is prohibition. That is just, oh my gosh. Can you remind us uh, the judge's yeah. name one more time? Remind us of what? The judge's name. His name is William C. O'Kelly, and he's in okay. Gainesville, Georgia. How old is he? Sounds old. I heard that second. I believe eighty-six grade or eighty-seven. And, um, but the phone's about yeah, they, to hang up, and I, I just want to thank everybody for you know, looking in and paying attention to what's happening to us here behind the razor wire. We love you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. We love thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, and I feel that. Thank you. Mindy, Mindy. Okay, for our listeners, that was Craig Cecil serving life in prison for cannabis. He's on his 15th year, and he wasn't even really caught with any cannabis. So go figure. But, Mindy, the judge's sentence, my dad was 87 at the time, so he's probably older now. And that's the thing is if you're a federal judge, you're appointed, you're a judge for life. And I don't understand why they don't want to retire and kick back. Why would they keep going? Just like you keep sending more people to prison. Like, I, they, oh, my goodness, don't get me started about judges. I just want okay, him so, to let our people go. Let our people go. It's gone on long enough, and he's old enough just to let somebody else have a turn. Free Craig Cecil. Free Craig Cecil. Free Craig Cecil. Okay, so I think our next guest is on the line. Um, Excellent. I'm just going to just gonna double check to see here real quick. Yeah, so our next guest is on the line. It's George Monterano. George served 33 years of a life sentence and was freed about a year ago. And he's calling in for his regular segment, Georgie's Corner. We missed him last week, but we are so excited to have him this week. Here is George Monterano. Good morning, George. Hey, good, good morning, day, George. everyone. Good day. Uh, How are hi, you doing? Hi, Christian. All right. Uh, I'd like to start out by apologizing for last week. I was horseback riding, and my phone went out. I forgot to pay the bill. So the horse, <laughs> didn't, have the horse didn't have a cell phone, so 
there's nothing I can do. Uh, I don't want to be cruel to animals. I don't want to race him somewhere uh, where he could have got hurt. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, it was me and nature again. Well, you're quite forgiven. No worries. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm here to hear this week, and you know, there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, I never, I never say names of certain entities or uh, anyone unless it's after the fact. But I was just, uh, I'm in, uh, I'm in uh, serious negotiations right now to do something never be done before in history, where well, actually uh, a portion. Uh, a department in a very prestigious college in this town is actually going to give me half a day, actually shut down and give me half a day with some of the you know brightest students in the country. And uh, I'm very proud of that because it's never been done before. I'll be addressing uh, over 300 students, and then, they, then I do an after, an after speech to about 60 or 70 that do all the programming uh, around the colleges, which what I didn't know. What I have learned uh, since being free, uh, your your senior students uh, have a lot, especially they've been involved in developing programs uh, for the for the college, you know, in house uh, outside programs where they would come in house. Uh, the, the students have a big big say, big big say, and if it's laid out all positive uh, with the good nature, they you know they choose the approved. So. Uh, tentatively right now I'm approved It'll happen in November I will have it uh, I asked the college to have their film The colleges all have these film uh, departments To film it And then once the film is done and then, then I'll present it to the world So I'm very proud of that And I think also in November I'll be I'm going to be in Vegas By uh, presenting an achievement Lifetime Achievement Award uh, By the uh, Arts View Group uh, they're doing a forum in Vegas, so so when, uh, within two short days, some great stuff is happening. You're getting a lifetime achievement award. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so. George, that's amazing, and you deserve it. Well, no, oh. yes, it's amazing. It's amazing in the sense, but uh, I already made my personal accomplishments with my inner self, my soul, and that's enough for me. So what I'm doing now, all this stuff I'm doing now, I want to do it in advocate form, saying, you know, that, that my life was thrown away, uh, Gene's life was thrown away, and we came out to be better people. Well, there is thousands uh, like that in prison. There's thousands. Between the state and feds, we have uh, way over uh, 2 million incarcerated, a lot of it for cannabis, but there's good people, actually better people than me in there, and they need to come home. Yeah. They could. They need this to come home. a better person to well, spend 33 we, years in prison than you. Like, you're the best person to have endured all that. You, you're the finest person in the world, I think, and I think you deserve the, I think you deserve yeah. the award, too. And I'm impressed that you in prison educated people, and now you're out of prison, and you're going to colleges to educate people. So beautiful. You're well, so be- such a beautiful person, George. Well, I wouldn't present. My main goal is to present an understanding that uh, you committed a crime, and you go and pay your debt to society, but you are still a human being. 
But when you give these kind of sentences, life, no parole for nonviolent first offender, you had, you're not looking, you didn't look at him as a human being. You didn't look at him as a human being. So all I'm trying to present when I stand up in front of audiences that we we are human beings that you had me. Like I said, I, I, I thank you for the compliment, but I disagree that uh, I'm the best person that ever come out because there's so many, so many that are better than me and, and, and maybe equal to me, but surely better well, than me. You, that can, you, that can you do an awful used lot. Second, you used every second to better the world, and for that, you're like you're the best person because you did, you're you're you bettered the world. That's that's well, who else could well, do that? Well, it was people like you and Gene and Mindy, you know that, you know that uh, uh, you know even though a person comes out, he has to be prompt. He has to be prompt in certain ways or of invites, and from invites like radio shows and platforms upon stages, you know you you have to uh, let the people see. That you're someone, you were someone, you're someone now, but you were someone languishing in prison. So, right. we, you know, we have to we have to get that feeling to uh, some level of domino, domino effect with the, the, the people that are decision-making uh, positions. So that, that's all we can hope for. That's all we can hope for. Uh, and it's, I think it all, it all starts. It all starts again. I think I brought this up, but understanding, you know, the big judicial, uh, political, uh, uh, Senate, Congress machine that we go up against. I mean, even though we, it's unfair these sentences, but this machine has uh, this machine of justice has been in place for a long time, a long time, and doing doing not not a lot of a lot of things that are wrong especially in the sentencing factor. So, you know, it's, it's hard. It's very difficult to change something that's been in place so very, very long. So uh, hopefully from, like I said, with this film made, uh, we can utilize this film uh, to get it out to give a better understanding. That's all we want is the better understanding, a real understanding. So that's what I'm after. Well, and, uh, George... I think that's really exciting, and I hear your sentiment that there are lots of people that are awesome that have gotten out of prison or are still in prison that could, quote-unquote, do what you're doing, but let me tell you, if I was if I was in prison right now, I would be really grateful that someone like you was representing all of, you know, those still left behind. You're, you um, are an inspiration to us, and, and I'm just so thrilled that you're getting acknowledged for your work. And for yeah, the time you put in. I just wish someone out there very wealthy that's thinking about becoming an advocate or, you know, that he would use me as, uh, you know, a goodwill ambassador. You know, I don't want any money, but, you know, it takes money. It takes money. But the right right kind of funds right now, uh, it's important, especially with the new administration came in. I don't think people realize that within 14 days, when a new administration comes into the White House, a new president, within 14 days, there has to be close to 4,000 job changes. Decisions made in two weeks. 4,000 uh, positions that are, that, are not, that are appointed positions. As then, they have, to, they have to select 25 
individuals that actually would, would have offices in the, in the White House. And from them 25 individuals, they have a short window to bring 4,000 people uh, that are directors in some form of government into that, into that, uh, that loop. So, uh, and that's, that's, that's something, uh, you have co- companies that have t- uh, thousands and you have companies that have ten th- tens of thousands, but our government, our government has functions with 3 million. So again, you're going to have a new administration coming in and I wish someone that's hearing this show, you hear the girl's voice and I voices that it's very wealthy, you know, to, and they believe that, uh, uh, things have to change, especially with the sentencing of the cannabis people. You know, give us a call. Give the girls a call. Uh, yeah, I think we I definitely want... need somebody who's got more money than the private prisons, and that might that might right. um, that might take a lot a lot of somebody. Yeah, to be we're, we're not we're not asking. You know, we just we were basically you know lots of funds have been put in place to save lives. Well. The change that's going on in our federal system, money, that money would be to save lives. Save Absolutely. lives. And it's so, it's so hard for these advocate groups, even the prominent ones in Washington, you know, to function with, uh, out the funds. It's so, it's, so, it's so hard. It's so hard. Girls. Well, I, I, think that, I think that the, uh, the system is, it's just, the prison system is just a big American dirty secret. I mean, the average people don't realize how bad it really is and how many people are nonviolent that are in there and it changes a person and then it affects the next generation and then the next generation and the next generation. And I, the fact that the government won't allow prisoners to, to really communicate about what's happening behind those bars keeps the main public in this big huge cloud of, of non knowing. Right, right. Well I like to I like to be bold and make an announcement that, you know, they they're trying to say convicted felons. Uh they're gonna to try to change that law, especially with the uh the African American community that uh you know you can get your rights back to vote. Well if that ever happens I, I wanna I wanna say boldly now uh, could it be pretty much that the blog talk radio that we're doing right now? We'll, we'll, we'll try to develop a voting block with all those convicted felons, and uh, I think I think it'll be a prestigious voting block. I think it'll be an understanding voting block. So let's hope that day happens. And I, I give all my time. I will give all my time to uh, do the best I can to organize it in a proper way, girls. George, are you um, riding your horse today? Uh, no, not today. Not today. Maybe someday this week. Not today. Uh, it's okay. going to be mom day. I'm going to hang out with mom today. My mom's 88, so and, uh, I'm going to hang out with her, take her out, okay. stuff like that. So, oh, that sounds you fun. know, do, do this. Even though, uh, yeah, even though, yeah, some people know my name, but I'm just just a normal guy that does normal things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm glad you didn't have your cell phone when you were on the horse, because I think everybody needs to get away from their phones a lot. Yeah, and I think you're riding your horse. 
you know, I came out and I never even held a cell phone. They weren't invented when I went away. I actually held one in first time on October 5th, 2015. And uh, <laughs> I was riding in the car from prison and there was uh, five people in the car, uh, four others besides me. And uh, no, 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 it was three others besides me. And those three others all had cell phones. So I had cell phones being, uh, you know, held up to, me, up to my ear the whole ride. Now, <laughs> what did you think about yeah, that? Then in the short time uh, that followed, I got a cell phone, and you know how you know how many times I left it, and I had to run back, and things happened. <laughs> it's just it's just terrible. Oh, that that's yeah. a that's a normal occurrence for me, so I I understand that. <laughs> it's just terrible that I came out and I had to have the cell phone pressure. You know, maybe some maybe some. <laughs> Other technology will come out where you can just stick something in the ear. I don't know. But I'm constantly, uh, you, uh, you lose it, and then you have to call to see where it rings if it's in the area. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, so it's all new to me, but it's all good. I imagine it's all good. That's cool. Well, George, we got our next guest is going to be um, Amber Taylor, and her father is serving life in prison for a joint. And she's she's got a new segment on our show every week. She's going to come on, and she's we're going to have we're going to learn it's drug um, drug mm-hmm. war 101 with Amber Taylor. So she's she's letting us yeah. know about the whole drug war in general. So we're going she's going to be our next guest, but she's okay. she's a good voice right. for for our nonviolent prisoners. And um, okay. I just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your stories with us and talk, coming to talk to us. We all, all of the people on our show, everybody who listens loves you so much, and we're all anxious, not just me and Mindy, but everybody who's listening is excited for what you're, what you're doing and what you've done for our, for our whole nation and our whole world. Okay, it's always, always a pleasure, and I'll see, I'll hear from you next week. Thank you, George. All right, girls. All right, take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. 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 All right, you guys, that was George Monterado, who was released last year of his after 33 years of his life sentence. Um, so, Mindy, do you ready for Bring Amber on? Yes, please. Okay, everyone, this is Amber Taylor, and as you heard me tell George Monterado, her dad is serving life for a joint. But how we got there... And why and what's going on in this world are all questions that Amber is going to help us answer every week for 15 minutes as she does her um, her uh, drug war 101 with Amber Taylor. Good morning, Amber. How are you doing? Good morning, ladies. How are y'all? We're not bad. To hear from you. I know. Good. Good. Good to, good to hear from y'all. Everything yes. going good? Yes. Yes. I finally heard from my dad. Oh, good. Um, yeah, I finally heard from my dad, and he's doing good, and he um got his medication, so that's a plus. We're still about a year out for a neuro appointment, so that's still pretty scary. But the medication is good, so I'm happy with that. That's good. Yes. Yes. So today Hopefully. is our first segment for 
Drug War 101. And I just wanted to, like, touch base on how it began and what what started it first, because a lot of people don't even understand how it all started. You know, they just think drugs are bad, and, and we got to lock people up to do them. And that's what a lot of the the police are educated to think, and a lot of the district attorneys are educated to think, and, and that's just not why it was started or where it came from. So in June... 1971, President Nixon declared a war on drugs. He dramatically increased the size and presence of federal drug control agencies and pushed through measures such as mandatory sentencing and no-knock warrants. So for those of you who don't know what mandatory sentencing is, Oklahoma, for example, first offense of possession of marijuana of any amount, even a speck or a seed or a stem, is up to a year in prison and a $1,000 fine. That's a mandatory minimum. They can give you nothing less. Second offense is up to a $25,000 fine and a minimum of 10 years in prison, and it's a felony. No matter if it's a roach or a speck of weed, if it's your second offense, you're getting 10 years. Third offense is 20 to life. That's what mandatory sentencing is. Nixon temporarily placed marijuana on Schedule 1, the most restrictive category of drugs, pending review by a commission he appointed led by Republican Pennsylvania Governor Raymond Schaefer. Many currently illegal drugs such as marijuana, opium, coca, and um, psychedelics have been used for thousands of years for both medical and spiritual purposes. So why are drugs legal and other drugs illegal today? It's not based on any specific assessment of the relative risks of these drugs, but it has everything to do with who is associated with these drugs. You know, a doctor can go and prescribe you 15 different narcotics, and it's okay. You can go to work on them, you can drive, you can do everything. But if you, as a human being, decide to use any type of natural, organic plant, you face prison time if the the laws say that you can't. So the first anti-opium laws in the 1870s were directed at Chinese immigrants. The first anti-cocaine laws in the South in the early 1900s were directed at black men. The first anti-marijuana laws in the Midwest and the Southwest in the 1910s and 20s were directed at Mexican immigrants and Mexican Americans. Today, Latino and especially black communities are still, still subject to widely disappropriated drug enforcement and sentencing practices. So they didn't take the drugs off of the streets because they were scared their kids were going to do it or anything like that. It was scare tactics to separate us as communities. In 1972, the commission unanimously recommended decriminalizing the possession and distribution of marijuana for personal use. Nixon ignored the report and rejected its recommendations. That means us as a country said, hey, this is crazy and needs to stop, and our government rejected it and decided not to listen to us. So between 1973 and 1977, um, 11 states decriminalized marijuana possession. In January 1977, President Jimmy Carter was inaugurated on a campaign platform that included marijuana 
decriminalization. In October of 1977, the Senate Judiciary Committee voted to decriminalize possession up to an ounce of marijuana for personal use. Within just a few years, though, the tide had shifted. Proposals to decriminalize marijuana were abandoned as parents became increasingly concerned about high rates of teen marijuana use. Marijuana was ultimately caught up in a border cultural backlash against the perceived provisions of the 1970s. So that kind of shut down everything for crazy reasons when we the people have already decided that this plant should be legal and it should be decriminalized. Um, the Around 1860, efforts to regulate the sale of pharmaceuticals began, and laws were introduced on a state-to-state basis that created penalties for mislabeling drugs, altering them with undisclosed narcotics and improper sale of those considered poisons. Poisons law generally either required labels on packaging indicating the harmful effects of drugs or prohibited sales outside of licensed pharmacies without a doctor's prescription and Prominent pharmaceutical societies at that time supported the listing of cannabis as a poison. So people were taught that cannabis is not a medicine, that it's a poison. I had an interaction the other day where I was told by a police officer that I should never call marijuana medicine because it's dope and anybody that uses it are dopers. And that's just sad that police are taught to feel like that. Wow. Did you want to speak any more about that interaction, Amber? Um, at this time, I would I would not like to because um, I need to get um, advice from an attorney, but we will soon be speaking about it. Yes, we will. Well, something, <laughs> cool. you said, something you said about um, – about you were talking about you know the different kinds of drugs and why they're legal and why you know some are legal and some aren't and that it's okay to be on whatever drug is prescribed to you while you're working and things like that and um you know I don't I don't talk about it too much but I used to be a teacher and mm-hmm. along the way uh my um my boss found out that I was an Oregon medical marijuana patient and I was told that I had 30 days to pee clean or I was fired. Well, wow. As a as a medical patient and the, you know, and using um concentrates and RSO and things like that, um I didn't see that in 30 days I was going to be clean and um having said that they were fine, absolutely fine with all the other pharmaceutical narcotics that my doctor was prescribing me at the time. I used to be on things like um, high amounts of morphine and oxy and teaching, and they were okay with that, but but would not let me be a medical marijuana patient. Yeah, I ended up, they're okay with you being on a drug that can definitely impair you, but God forbid you ever smoke a joint, ever. Absolutely. So I ended up like saving my job by getting a Marinol prescription. So a Marinol prescription comes from an actual pharmacy. So when I, um, so when I, you know, did my P test and came back 
um, dirty for marijuana, they called me up. I said, well, I have a Marinol prescription. So then they called the pharmacy, found out for sure that, yes, the doctor had prescribed me Marinol and reported that back to my employer who couldn't fire me at that point, but they made my life miserable until I finally just left. Um, See, that's crazy. And, and, you, and, I, and I can almost guarantee that the kids that you were teaching suffered more than any anywhere that that school could have suffered by keeping you as an employee because that's what a lot of it comes from is them being scared of the backlash of having an employee that does consume marijuana because we have had um, prohibition hysteria for the last 200 years or so. I mean, people are thought to believe that, I mean, they're taught to believe that it is a hard drug and it impairs you, and you got to be a bad person if you smoke it. And that's just not the way it is. Even living in a legal state, if I have any marijuana charge on my record, if I ever piss, piss dirty for marijuana, I can lose my medical license, and I can lose my job. And that's just the way it is until the federal government looks at it different. But I could be up here taking all kinds of narcotics, and people that our nurses and past pills have one of the highest addiction rates to narcotics there is, but yet I could get fired for consuming a plant. Hmm. Um, well, I can identify with you on that one, hon. Uh, and then your whole life can be taken away if you are caught in another state with minimal amount of medication, even if you are a medical marijuana patient, because they're still able to put felonies on your record. Well, you guys, yeah. I, I just want to mention that we have Dr. David Allen listening on the line, and um, they can put felonies on your record, whether we are patients or doctors or um, just anybody who just wants to have a plant on us. So um, as Dr. David Allen knows, he went to um, to prison for a year and a half as a doctor um, pre- uh, prescribing cannabis. So um, Amber, let's let's sum up this segment a little bit. You taught us a little bit about the history and about how the drug war was legal in different states and how it became illegal, and you've introduced how cannabis has an effect throughout this whole war. Um, what are we What are we going to be able to um, see from you in your next segment next week? What are you Are you going to focus on? Um, I know you've got about five different segments that you want to do to help un- uncover the whole war as a as a whole. But what can we look forward to next week? So the next segment, yes, we went through um, the beginning of it today, and the next segment is going to move on to the effects of the the communities, the um, low income and poverty communities that the war on drugs has, and then the third segment will. Um, talk about the children that are affected because it's it's a trickle down system you know there's there's so many different areas that the war on drugs has affected so we're going to go through that on the on the second segment okay cool I'm anxious aren't you (laughs) um Amber we love you I'm excited as well we love you is there anything else you wanted to mention during this segment um Chris Lee, 
Chris Lindowski. Oh. I'm sorry, I kill your name every time I say it, man. But I think, so I think a, it's Lewandowski. Lewandowski. Okay. okay. So the overwhelming support of the cannabis community helped the judge uh, let him retract his guilty plea. So now he's going to get to go in front of a jury. So we need to get jury nullification information out to all Comanche County, Oklahoma residents so they can know their right to vote not guilty. So that's a that's a huge plus and a huge win. Um, so Lance, let's talk about him. Yes, ma'am. Amber, he's going to be on our show next week. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. That, that makes me happy. I'm so glad. Yeah, he sounds like a really so great guy. For our listeners, I believe he's an ex-Marine or something like that. He's got six, he's growing six plants. He's using it. Uh, I think he even went to war. And uh, he was using the plant for um, medical uses and got plant with, caught, caught with six plants in the space of 10 years. So nobody can't miss next week's show. <laughs> Don't miss it. Everybody tune in. I'm, yeah, he did three tours, I think two in Afghanistan. He's He's a stand-up guy, oh, and, wow. and, and the, his whole life is in jeopardy because of deciding to medicate with a plant instead of multiple narcotics. So, yes, please tune in. And then um, Lance Gore is still without phone and commissary. And I haven't heard any new news from Chris Martin's wife, so I don't have any updates about that. But that's it, ladies. That's all okay. I got. I got to go back to work and, and give these okay. people – all these pharmaceutical medications that's legal for me to give them. All right, have Amber. A have a good Sunday, Amber. Thank you, ladies. Have a blessed day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, that was Amber Taylor with her weekly segment, Drug War 101 with Amber Taylor. Um, Amber's father is serving life in prison for a joint. So we're hearing straight from an expert right, who's right in the middle of a war. Their father's been in prison a few times for other other nonviolent crimes, and so she's here to help us understand, you know, what what um, what's really going on. So we're really anxious to hear more from Amber. And this was her first official segment. I mean, we know she's been a guest on our show a lot, but um, it's official segment. She's a team member on the show, so. We love Amber. Thank you, Amber. Um, next. Hey, Kristen. Um, Kristen. Yes. Mindy. Do I have one second to to point something out about jury nullification? Please. We you know how we talk about jury nullification all day. We always got time for jury nullification. Well, always. you know, Amber made a point that we need to, you know, get the message out in that area. And and forgive me, I I didn't catch where the um, case is being held for Chris, but. Um, one thing that anybody can do from anywhere around the country is put ads in about jury nullification on Craigslist or other free newspapers or other online um, things. Uh, sometimes they don't keep the ad up for that long. I've noticed Craigslist will sometimes go and yank it. But it is a great way to to get people to see jury nullification. You could put something silly in the tagline to get someone to open it up, um, get creative about it, but uh, maybe put jury nullification messages on different newspaper and radio and TV Facebook pages. Um, 
anything you could think of to get that information out to the masses in that area, and we need to start now. We should have started a year ago. Maybe we should have um, a meeting. We should find a media expert to come be our first guest one of these days so it can help teach our listeners how to get this message out there. And on a, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, there's, there's definitely techniques, I understand, to getting these things out to people yeah. and to getting, get, getting them all over the place. Um, but, it, you know, that is something really simple that anybody can do no matter where you're at is start is look for different websites, Craigslist, publications, TV stations in the area and, and send it. it. You know, enough people do that. You know, we might actually get somewhere with that. Right, right. It's a good idea, Mindy. In fact, um, we need to see if we can get Miggy to Oklahoma wherever wherever this case is going down for him. I'm sure Miggy would love to help us do some some Craigslist ads. Um, and yeah. for our listeners who don't know, well, jury notification is your power to say not guilty if you're ever called to jury duty. We ask that you judge the law and not actually if it was broken, because your job isn't just to judge if the law has been broken, but to actually judge the law. And if you think it's a bad law, there's no victim. You feel bad for sending somebody to prison, stay not guilty and save that person from, from prison. So. And for more well, information uh, and details about that, go to FIJA.org. F-I-G-A. Oh, J-A-G. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, you guys, we're going to go to our next guest, um, our next two guests. The first guest, or the, the, Jeff Eichen is coming on, who's a regular guest on our show, and he is uh, filming the, the, the documentary Lifers, where he's putting a focus on cannabis lifers. Um, but he's stretching out into the, the, the whole drug war as a whole and try to put a focus on the whole war while he does still put a focus on, on cannabis, uh, cannabis prisoners. Um, he's, we went to his uh, filming of his, we've been working with Jeff for a while. We went to the filming of his, his, or not the filming, but the debut of the beginning part of his movie that he's working on. And it was just really, really good. And it really was an awesome movie. He's going to give us an update, but he's bringing a special guest on the line with him by the name of Anthony Papa. And Anthony Papa wrote a book about how he drew himself it's 50, it's, I, guess, I believe it's called 50 to Life, about how he drew himself out of prison. So we're going to talk with both of them. So I believe he's recently freed for a nonviolent, a nonviolent um, drug charge. So we're going to talk to both of them. Um, as Jeff is, he's a friend of Jeff, and they're both on the line. So first I'm going to bring Jeff on, and then we're going to bring Anthony on. Um, good morning, Jeff. You're live here with me, me and Mindy, Kristen and Mindy. How are you this good morning? morning. Pam Pam Hooray. Pam Pam Hooray. Yeah, that's what Jack, that's what Jack used to say all the time when he was writing the the revision with Ellen Comp in my living room of the Emperors in 1995. Nice. That's yeah, cool. So we Jack, had uh, we had real one. Oh yeah, you heard real one earlier. He was friends with Jack as well. Um, and we played a song where he talks about the Emperor original clothes. Well, this small world's going to get smaller. Um, I want to give an update from the New York Cannabis Film Festival, everybody. Um, we'll be live with Anthony Papa in just a second. And um, he, he was a victim of the war on drugs. And, um, and I heard wind from, uh, from some people there to get in touch with Anthony while I was in Brooklyn this last week at the 
at the Cannabis Film Festival. Who thought 20 years ago or 10 years ago or five years ago we would have a cannabis film festival? There's one on each <laughs> coast now. Wow. We're so excited. Yeah, expect- we're so excited. Um, Lifers was a sponsor, and our trailer was seen, um, and we met Netflix. There was a scout there. Leafly was there in attendance, and it was very good that we were invited and a sponsor there. Um we were on all their swag and, and their posters. And yeah, it was just really, really, really cool. Um, the coolest thing was is, um, is I'll, I'll give a couple of titles. Everybody just, just realize this thing is moving. If we have a film festival just for cannabis and they're making it happen and it's going on television, we're getting exposure. So any news is good news. But some of the films were uh, Tricky Business, um, that was a really incredible movie about the um, uh, the history of Humboldt County and where that all came from. Then there was a Summer of Cans movie. It was a Brazilian movie about smugglers. That was totally cool. And then there were some short films, uh, More Than Just Grass, Trippin' with the Folks, uh, Jeff Needs Ice Cream. That was the name of a film, a short. Um, Gray Area. Um, Bored by Adam, Bored, Bored was the name of the movie, Boss Man, uh, Tomatoes, Recalculating, The Real Cannabis Culture, and Super Fun with Learning, and uh, they were all really cool. Super Fun was a psychedelic sci-fi kids show for adults, and that was cool. And then the third screening was Dark Harvest by James Hudson, and it was a marijuana grower film um, featuring Cheech Marin. So we're getting back in, everybody, and Lifers a Movie is doing a really fantastic job. We have one person on the inside that may get our film this week to Obama, and we're going to pray that most presidents um, on the last day of their office, they oh get come. You have somebody on the inside? You got somebody on the inside? My friend, my friend Zaytar, who I talked to at the at the Brooklyn at the Brooklyn uh, coffee shop there. I was at a Starbucks, baby, and um, I talked to him for two, <laughs> hours, two hours, and he said my daughter works at the digital media in the White House. Oh, oh yes. So we're going to try okay. to get a snippet and the film over to Obama, and we're, gonna, and we're, gonna, we're just going to hold space, everybody. Maybe I'll do another candlelight vigil the night before he leaves office for everybody. We'll do a green candle. Okay. Here we go. We'll do a green candlelight vigil the night before everybody. You heard it here. We just invented it before Obama leaves office for him to give commutation to everybody. We'll have a Google chat and I'll I'll organize that everybody. It's official. Okay. Let me know. Let me know. I'll be there. So we have Anthony Papa here. Please introduce yourself, Anthony, and tell us how you were tagged okay, me, to be in un- prison for, me, the, for un- the war on drugs. Let me unmute his mic real quick. Here, hold on. Okay. Here we go. Anthony Papa, hello. Hello, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm a a drug war activist. Uh, I work for the Drug Policy Alliance, leading advocacy organization in the United States uh, for about 10 years now. I was sentenced to two 15-to-life sentences under the Rockefeller drug laws in 1985. I spent 12 years in prison uh, before 
I was granted executive clemency by uh, Governor George Pataki of New York. And the way I did it, I discovered my talent as an artist. And one night I was sitting yeah. in my cell, took a mirror, looked in the mirror, saw an individual who's going to spend the most productive years of life in a cage. And I painted the self-portrait, Highway 15 to Life. It, it, seven and a half years later, wound up at the Whitney Museum of American Art, and I got a lot of publicity on my case. Two years later, Governor Pataki granted me executive clemency. Came out, uh, didn't wow. really know what to do with my life. I wanted to save those I left behind. So I went on a rescue mission. I started a group, Mothers in New York Disappeared. We became the leading activist group in New York uh, fighting the, the drug war. And it was based on the Argentine Madres Plaza de Maya of Argentina in the 1970s where the government was taken over by the military. And anybody who was subversive against the government would be put to death. About 30,000 people died. We took that same idea and we used it in New York State where we, we had the vigils, the same as the, the Madres in, in Argentina, every week in, on 15th Street, Rockefeller Center, where uh, all New York press showed up the first day we did it. So at that point, we said this is the way we're going to change the, the drug war in New York State. And it took us about seven years, but we're constantly protesting and creating human interest stories uh, that put a human face on the issue of the drug war. We, we managed to change public opinion, and then politicians were not afraid to get on board and work with us. So we definitely uh, we changed the laws. It took us about eight years. We got significant reforms in 2004 and five, and then 2009, significant historic reform on the Governor Patterson of New York State. Uh, I, I, like I told you, I'm an activist. I work with uh, Drug Policy Alliance. Uh, I don't know if you know our organization. We have eight offices around the United States. We work to end the war on drugs. We envision uh, new drug policies that are grounded on science, compassion, health, and, and human rights. And I, uh, what I do, I'm manager of media relations. I just heard you say some about media experts. But we have a staff of media experts that constantly put the war on drugs out there and constantly uh, produce tremendous press. And um, we actually uh, give, give um, uh, uh, assistance to organizations that don't have media uh, uh, people. So uh, uh, anybody could contact me when, uh, through my email, uh, tpapa, T-P-A-P-A, at drugpolicy.org, O-R-G. And if you have an organization you need some help media-wise, let me know and I'll see what I can do for you. But I just wrote a new book. Um, Real quick, I just want to tell you, uh, my name is Kristen Floor, and uh, my father died in federal prison. And I I was advocating for a mandatory minimum sentencing out in D.C. And I I did, yes. I became affiliated affiliated with your group while I was out there. I actually went to the DPA and met met you guys, your office there in D.C. So we are very familiar with your group. D.C., yes, in D.C., I met them in D.C. I don't know about the, the New York part of it, but I did meet your group in D.C., and I, I really I really have a lot of respect for your group, and we would probably hopefully want to be able to get you on a future show um, as a representative of the group in order to come talk okay. to our listeners about, about mm-hmm. it in more detail. But 
Yeah, we love you guys. I just want to let you know that. Thank you. Thank, thanks so much. So, uh, I mean it in the way I, my, yeah, no problem. So my first book, when I came out, I wrote about it in my first book, titled 15 to Life, How I Painted My Way to Freedom was about the prison experience, what I went through as a first-time nonviolent drug offender, sentenced to 215 life sentence for passing an envelope with four ounces of cocaine uh, for, for, for the sum of $500. I ruined my entire life. Uh, my, recently, I just published my second memoir, This Side of Freedom, Life After Clemency, and it's about my 18 years of freedom. Uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to write a book about the experience to help others uh, that are going through the same situation. So what I'm doing, I'm donating and distributing my book to all prison libraries in the United States. I got a nice grant from this billionaire, and it enabled me to do this. And my book is being distributed, and my hope is to reduce mass incarceration by educating prisoners and what they're going to be up against when they are released from prison. There's a lot of roadblocks that exist, uh, you know, educationally, uh, 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 monetarily, uh, jobs, uh, getting employment, uh, housing, so many roadblocks. So my story I use as as sort of a, a hook to people to see what I went through, and hopefully with this uh, people, it'll help people to know what they're going to go through and when they come home. Wow. Wow, we um, we have a couple prisoners that are getting released soon that would probably be um, be beneficial for them them to know. Um, when is your book coming out? The book is out. It's available on Amazon. Oh. This okay. side of freedom, life after clemency. If you if you if you write me. And uh, give me the addresses of those prisoners. I'll send my book to them free, of course, okay. uh, directly so from the publisher. Excuse me. How can we help? How, how, how do we contact you to write to you? You, you, go, you? you have my website. I mean, my well, my website is fifteen to life dot com, one five t o life dot com, and then you have my email. I give you my email is t. It's in Tony Papa, P A P A, at drug, D R U G, policy, P O L I C Y, dot O R G, org. Okay. Okay. Mm hmm. So, Jeff um, um, uh, yeah, or Mindy, is there anything you want to say? Because I have a lot of stuff to say, but I want okay. to. Uh, I'm super proud of you, Tony, and it's great to uh, to be part of the um, you know the brotherhood and sisterhood here. That's going to allow this uh, change and prohibition to end, so we can stop the cartel, also. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean. I also write for the Huffington Post. People can uh, read what my writings and my op-eds and stinging op-eds against the war on drugs. On uh, right for counterpunch, uh, alternate, and Huffington Post. Uh, just this week, The Fix released a, a story by Kerry Blackinger, uh, letters from prisoners, victims of the drug war. Another project I, I have for a few years. What I wanted to do is enable prisoners to tell their stories. You know, I was thinking, well, how can I help prisoners that are in prison? 
And so I came up with this idea. So I took out ads in Prison Legal News, which is a, a newspaper that goes in all the prisons in the United States. I have received hundreds and hundreds of no, thousands of letters from prisoners telling their stories. This piece just came out this week in The Fix, profiles about three of those prisoners' stories. One person, because of selling three pills, three pills got 135 years in prison. Another person, 34 pills, got life in prison. So there's a, there's something wrong with with the drug war, as you know. And uh, it's my way of, 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 of trying to fix the system, giving people an opportunity to tell their stories. So if you know anybody that has a drug war story and wants to be put in our media database, which I actually also use for um, uh, uh, journalists, contact me if they want a story about a certain drug or certain somebody who's doing time for drug war uh, uh, conviction. It's available, this um, media database that contains thousands of, of of people. So if you know anybody that wants to be involved, get into the database with possibility of giving their story to the media, you can contact me with that same email number. Well, it feels okay. like um, like the momentum I have through film right now and the film festivals that are specific for the war on drugs and, and stuff, it feels like... Um, we're gonna we're gonna really get to our brothers and sisters that can make a difference. Um, some of the higher up people in Hollywood to get our movie to the mass because movies do hit many people at one time. You know, you can get 400 people in a theater to watch a film, and um, if we can get all these people on film for Lifers the movie, man, we'll have a we'll have a series. We'll get it on Netflix, and uh, we'll change the world. Well, congratulations, and I wish you a lot of luck, and, and thanks for having me on the show. And like I said, if, if people want to know, see my art, actually, also, you can go to my website, 15tolife.com. That's 15tolife.com, and you can see the work that I did while I was in prison in my new work, and you can read my op-eds and, and, and learn about the war on drugs. And if you want to know about the whole picture, you go to my website for my, my organization, Drug Policy Alliance, which is drugpolicy.org, drugpolicy.org, and you can learn all about the, the issues that we're involved with, uh, medical marijuana, needle exchange, Good Samaritan laws, uh, protecting you through drug, drug education, a whole bunch of stuff. So thanks for having yeah, me on the show. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you for coming along. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, bye Anthony. Bye. I'll follow up with you this week. Thank you, Barbara. Cool, man. Thank you. Um, Thank I, you. I just wanted to follow up, Kristen, and 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 listeners here that now that we're, um, you know, getting our our army uh, prepared for a new um, a new change of the guard, um, we still want to want to be able to um, see if uh, Obama will release our plant prisoners on the last day of office. Like a lot of presidents, that's what they do. They wait for the last day. And then they give clemency to many, many people. Um, so we're going to hold space. Uh, today we invented the the green candlelight vigil, everybody, that we'll have the night before um, uh, elections. And um, I just want everybody to keep an eye on lifersandmovie.com. We now have Tony Papa. He's in Drug Policy Alliance. We have these beautiful women here 
at the War on Drugs Radio and um, go to lifersthemovie.com, everybody. We're really blessed um, to have everybody's assistance in this uh, change, changing of the guard and for us to get prohibition completed, done, and over. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jeff. Love you, gals. Love you, too. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, Thank for the radio. Thanks yeah. Anthony on, too. He was, he was really awesome to hear from. And I want to maybe get a um, have him as our first guest here in the next month or so just to talk about the DPA and their stance on, on medical cannabis and their whole stance against the war and everything that they, that they can do for the world. So thank well, you, it Jeff. Proves, thank you. It, it, proves, it proves that we're not just a cannabis radio show anymore because Lifers is now not just about marijuana prisoners. We are about all nonviolent prisoners. And Anthony, Anthony was put away for an envelope. I mean, come on. Right. I know. That sounds bad. No guns, no rape, no nothing. And in my film, we have we have ladies that their daughters were raped, and 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 now they're going away for marijuana. It's just important for all of us to share this information and get it to the mass, and end prohibition. All right, thank you, Jeff. Right. Thank you, thank you. Pam, pam, hooray! Pam, hooray! Okay. Uh, all right. Mindy, what 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 are you doing? Mindy, are you there? Oh no, we lost Mindy. My co my other host is gone. No Mindy. Okay. I don't see her here anymore. Um, so we're gonna go to I think her I think it's her reception. She's in a town where there's not very much internet. She thought she didn't even have internet today. And her reception is kind of hard. So we're just going to go to Tom Corby, who is Northern California Chapter Coordinator for the Human Solution International. And Tom is going to give us an update. There is like Northern California is where a lot of war goes down. And it's, it's really, really, really rough. So Tom has tried to end it and kick it in the butt, and he's doing a good job, but it's still going on, so he's going to let us know what exactly is going on. Um, he's a Northern California chapter leader for the Human Solution International, and here is Tom Corby. Good morning, Tom. Top of the day, Christian. Thank you, Becca and Mindy, for another great show. Uh, and also, it's nice to hear Real One come on today, and what I'd like to shout out to Real One is he's come more than once for the battles for fundraisers. So he doesn't just come for the big events. Also comes for the little guys. And a shout out to Aww. Real One. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> In Northern California, <laughs> uh, uh, we've been following this Easter trial. Uh, this officer that shot uh, this Thomas uh, a drunk that was getting out of the car. Uh, in the first place, uh, we re- we all really feel that he should at least be up for negligent homicide, if not second-degree murder, instead of just involuntary manslaughter. Uh, anyway, uh, we got a win of sorts. Uh, to me, it's about a half win. The jury did find Feaster guilty as charged 
on involuntary manslaughter when anybody I've talked to, anybody that watched this video, will will justify the fact that he outright shot Feaster when he was getting out of the car, and actually there was two shots. Uh, Mike Cramsey, the DA, said something about the the video. Uh, something got I don't know. It sounds like a cover up. Uh, anyway, he's going to go on to sentencing the uh, number 16, and uh, we're already pushing for uh, negligent charges. Ramsey's agreed to look into it. <clears throat> he only gets five years. No, not point out <laughs> when I post. Uh, we'd have got a life without parole for a plan. Yes, and he'll be out within a few years and back on the street. And uh, it's uh, real sad for those people up in paradise. Uh, so uh, anyway, we got to win a sort of Easter. Uh, he's still out there. Uh, he should be in jail. Uh, this is a, a sad, sad case here in NorCal. Uh, yeah, we had officers like this, <laughs> the bad apples, and uh, make it look bad for all the other officers. Uh, also, in cannabis industries, uh, there's a few bad apples that make it bad for the rest of us that are trying to stay within the laws and the guidelines that we're cultivating. Um, when we talk about uh, letters, uh, uh, I have three letters here. The first one, uh, the first thing I want to bring up is uh, Chris, Chris uh, Lewandowski. Uh, he went to sentencing last week. Uh, I have a report here from Amy Hildebrand, uh, another one of sorts. Uh, we, you know that uh, on our letter, uh, prisoner outreach letter campaign, uh, we write different letters for prisoners. Uh, we've been writing letters to keep Chris Lewandowski free. <clears throat> uh, cut to the chase. Uh, he's a staff sergeant Marine, fought in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, upper six plants in Oklahoma. Uh, it's a sad, sad case indeed, one of the status. But uh, we had a win of sorts. Uh, the Honorable Judge Emma Taylor granted request to reverse the guilty plea. Chris will now go on to jury trial in January. Possibly the most alarming aspect of today was a sentencing for a man before Chris. This man murdered his best friend who was only 28, yeah, and has an eight-year-old son. He murdered an innocent, unarmed man, dealt like Feaster, with a knife before digging a hole in a shed where he threw his lifeless body and lit it on fire. The The Comanche County DA and the judge gave this man 27 years. Listening to the testimony of the victim's aunt, his grandma, his mother, we were all in tears. And to know the DA is currently pursuing more years in the jail for Chris for six cannabis plants than the man who murdered his best friend makes me seriously question the integrity of the DA. Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah. Uh, also, uh, we write letters, uh, uh, character reference letters, uh, this letter I, I, I want to read because uh, uh, it personally involves myself and Dr. Allen. Uh, by the way, uh, Dr. Allen uh, still looking for an attorney. Uh, it's long to uh, 
uh, has a hearing in November. So shout out to Dr. Alex for all he does. Uh, uh, When we talk about Alex Lyons and we talk about NorCal, uh, when you mention that most people don't don't go on to trial, they take these plea bargains. Again, we have four defendants right here uh, in Northern California going on to trial. Alex Lyons. Yes, Alex Lyons is uh, an exception to all the cases I've worked in uh, five years or so. and that he waived his rights to waive time, and he took them straight to trial. When you write letters, character reference letters, folks, uh, always send one to the defendant so he can bring it forward to the judge with his with his uh, his attorney. Uh, it's better if you know the if you know the defendant before the fact. Think about it. And family letters when people that knew the defendant before the fact are very uh, more important. Uh, Dr. Allen and I were both are both on Alex Lyon Tim Ever Collective. Uh, and so this letter is to DDA Jennings. Uh, I talked about DA Jennings. Uh, he's different than all the other DAs. He's working with Alex. Uh, he's uh, uh, sympathetic with this case. Uh, actually, DA Jennings in 1996, after the illegal control acts. Uh, Substance Act was passed. He had 12 cases, cannabis cases, went to trial. He lost every one of them. He talked to the board. He said, why are we doing this? We're going to keep on doing this. He doesn't agree with it. So uh, I'm actually pushing for DA Jennings for DA in Northern California. I heard Michael Ramsey may not be running. to whom it may concern, I can put my address to Tom Corby, NorCal, Human Solution International dot org, uh, regional coordinator at my address here. Uh, character F for Alex Lyons, Alexander number this case number. Please consider my request to dismiss Mr. Lyons of all charges, in that he was legal and followed guidelines for his ten member collective garden and being a member of and designated caretaker for the Lucky Lions Farms. I'll vouch for that, and I will take the stand. And by the way, I will be uh, with Dr. Allen. We're we're both going to be taking the stand if, in fact, they take Alex on the trial, which they better not. Having known Alex as a friend and a neighbor for approximately two years, I find his character to be a man of honesty and integrity beyond reproach, an asset, and not a liability to society. Moreover, <clears throat> moreover, helping others. Being only 20 year, 28 years old, my granddaughter's age, I'd be honored to call him Alex Lyon, my grandson. My wife, Dawn, and I want to compliment T.H. Ennings for working together with Alex and attorneys and uh, advocating with Human Solution and would nominate him for PA. UTA, respectively, Tom Corby. Uh, these letters uh, are so important. Uh, uh, also, I, I, I said la- a couple weeks ago, I had a letter uh, back, if I have time, Christian, uh, that we've heard talk about Richard Perez. Uh, this is another different type of a letter back from a prisoner. Uh, one of the things that when you get a letter back, from uh, POW, uh, they always uh, are so grateful that, that, that they just haven't been forgotten there. Uh, 
Richard Perez. Uh, take down his address if you want to write. He'd love to hear from you. Uh, Richard Perez, uh, that's number 203 uh, That's 3695 FM 3514. Uh, that's Beaumont, Texas, 77705. Uh, this letter uh, is, is uh, what's, what's nice about it is, is she's asking to uh, come and help you to solution in prohibition and uh he says hello tom and donna uh, i just received this a couple of weeks ago actually uh i re- received your responding letter uh thank you for your encouragement for all websites the phone numbers uh i sent him uh all the websites uh stephanie landis uh, the human section he wants to get involved in all the phone numbers uh i will definitely utilize all you sent me I will also get in touch with you, too, so you both can help me with Oz, Texas. Speaking on my home state, Texas, I, uh, I sent along with this letter a clipping of a local paper mentioning the latest debate of our boss hogs who run this outfit. And I believe those people are starting to come to their senses. It is inevitable that our cause will be victorious here in big Texas. Bias prohibition is a major factor in our clusterfuck <laughs> in our prison system. What is it? 24 huh? or 20 states uh, out of 49 states has already done deed. Just doesn't make sense because what state has not want to make money? There it is. They're all making money on it. Now that I'm in here, for eating a, a misdemeanor stash into a third degree and six years in Texas prison, it is now uh, to going to change. Uh, what, what, what you see, uh, look, uh, it really chaps my height that I'm in prison for a minor uh, POM, uh, possession of marijuana, which we use the word cannabis now. That is a made-up word of the song to scare you. Reefer Madness, everyone will tell you uh, cannabis is the correct word, and actually the judges are starting to use it here, uh, which is good to see. Oh, well, no use in crying over spilled milk. Besides, I don't have that much longer in this absurd program. Can't wait to till I get out out either. I really want to do something to make a difference. So can his be ahead still while on parole on probation over there in Cali? What is it like now in California now that Mary is recreational? He doesn't understand it's not. <laughs> I'm going to be on a few years paper while out and I'm going to want to do some volunteering Basically, I'm not leaving my house or computer till January 2nd of 2017. After that date, I am starting my job again at the trust department. My plan is to get all my responsibilities back for the remaining of my 2016. And, of course, getting in touch with everyone I need to in order to get started with my role in this world. That being, I want to be a part of making a change in this world, these citizens who 
run our states must wake up and smell the brownies. I'm almost done here. Uh, I want to be used used in every group health and the prohibition being before. Uh, I have a uh, little parole to do. I can still care for my comrades. I'm going to be sober and use my noggin for gaining rather than losing. By the way, I couldn't couldn't uh, send the paper quickly, so forgive me. I don't know why he couldn't send that. Maybe they didn't let him. I hope to hear from you all again uh, or from another. He'd love to hear from you. As uh, long as she is willing <laughs> uh, to run into the head. I still have a few weeks remaining in this cesspool. Uh, I would like to meet more zealous people. Heads. The more I meet, the more better. So anyone who is right past my address till I get home, I would love to spend my remaining time in writing. So until next letter, put on a smile. Have yourselves a fine day. Stand firm. Don't be swayed by the swine. See you at 420. Your pal, Richard Perez. Uh, these letters are, are, are health, 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 heartfelt, and I actually get tears sometimes. Uh, so write a POW today. Uh, I want to thank everybody. Uh, another great show today. Uh, come join Help to Be the Solution at the inter- Human Solution International dot org. Uh, uh, Freedom Dose. Uh, grow.org with Stephanie Landa also. Uh, no one should go to jail for a plan. And as always, as Donna would say, uh, don't forget to breathe. Thanks, Christian, for a great show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Bye, Tom. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate it. The what? Well, Tom mentioned, Tom mentioned um, that that uh, Dr. Allen needs an attorney. Um, he's going. He's in the process of losing his medical license. So if anybody out there knows of an attorney to help Dr. Allen, also I got a message from Elizabeth Bishop, who is Jimmy Roman's uh, fiance, and he needs an attorney. Um, he needs help doing his two two five fives. I'm not exactly sure what that is, um, but. If anybody knows anything about 2255, please let us know. Uh, Mindy, is there anything you want to say before we go into our closing? Oh, no. I just want to thank everybody for a great show. It was awesome that Tom read a letter right from prison. And and um, I'm going to go back to a barter fair and see if I can talk to more people about people in prison. Yay. Cool, Mindy. Well, I hope you have a good Sunday, and thank you, Becca, so much for helping us. I think she's off, but she's helping us screen calls today. Yeah, thank you. For solution, and we appreciate her help. Thank you. All right, well, we're about to go into closing, Mindy. I love you. I hope you have a good day. And you before too. we go, thank you, thank you. I want to thank – we're going to do a really fast closing um, because we've covered a lot during this show, and I know everybody's just worn out, but – we just want to thank everybody for listening, all the listeners, all the everybody, um, all the guests, all the callers, all the volunteers. Oh, there, Mindy, Becca is still there. She says she's out of here. Great show and love you. And we love you too, Becca. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and um, we want to say um, 
right now, um, we've talked about jury nullification already, so I'm not going to go deep into it. Just remember, not guilty, save someone's life. Judge the law if it's not guilty. If it's not nonviolent, say not guilty. And remember, snitching is not the way to end the war, so please stop snitching. Uh, free Richard Elisi, um, and please go give commissary money to freedomgrow.org through Stephanie Landis Commissary Fund. It will go straight to Plant Pigeons Commissary. Um, we want to also say rest in peace, and we're going to say rest in peace to some people, but I'm not going to go deep, deep, deep into it because we um, it's getting it's getting past 11. So first, rest in peace to Eugene Fisher, who spent 25 years of a life sentence in prison for cannabis. Now, what's really, really crazy about that is, is that when he got out, he didn't get out just to go pursue his own personal life. He got out to help others and never stopped helping others. Until the day he died, he did these radio shows. He called us every day, and we organized a way to free everybody. And he was an uh, executive director for the Human Solution and a board member for them. And he's just a really, really not good person from the heart who stood up for himself and others. He's also best friends with George, who calls in for his weekly segment. They're really good friends in prison. So rest in peace, Eugene. We miss you. We miss you. We miss you. And Eugene is the reason why we have this show. He's the old host of the show. So uh, we never want to forget about our friend to all of humanity. Also, rest in peace to my father, Richard Floor, who I personally took off exercise support while he was still shackled to a bed. The fact that I even have to say that just really irritates me inside because my dad was literally the best man in the world that I could ever think of anybody better than my dad but um, the fact that they would do something to somebody so harmless just really hurts but and the fact they did it to my dad really just pisses me off but um, they neglected him and tormented him to death they just tortured him so bad while he was in prison um, it's just not a, this is not fair so um, rest in peace to my dad Richard Floor. Also, rest in peace to Gene Halbin, um, who died on Thanksgiving or died on Thanksgiving Day after being released from jail, was being neglected for medical cannabis, and wasn't getting his um, wasn't getting his diabetes shot. And rest in peace to him. His his wife was on our, our radio show a few weeks ago, and you can know more about his memory by you can do more and regarding his memory by. Um, uh, Sue and the federal government. Okay, so yeah, I think that's what the two two five five four might be. So uh, things are coming together in my head. I'm just tired right now, but anyway, um, I gotta look into this. But Gary Shepard, we want to say rest in peace to him. Gary Shepard stood on the front lines about 20 years ago, protecting his plants next to Mary Jane Jones's. She held her baby son Jake, and they were shot down by the federal government shot down over 20 times, and they fell full cell, and he passed away that day. Mary Jane survived her gunshot wounds and lived another 20 years, left behind some beautiful people, um, including Stacy Tice, who drives her on the bus in, in order to honor her, honor her aunt and her uncle and free people from having to go to prison and be subjected to prohibition. Also, rest in peace to Jack Hare, who we have talked about a lot during the show, um, he wrote the book, Emperor Wears No Clothes. I urge everybody to get it immediately. And also to Peter McWilliams, who wrote uh, all kinds of books, inspirational style books. He fought for our plant. He fought for our, he was a libertarian, so he fought for our laws. He also fought 
is a gay rights activist, an all-around civil rights activist. Rest in peace, Peter. Also, Bilcha de la Morte was a plant prisoner who would serve 20 years in prison when here we come on the 4th of July, which 4th of July is a real, real sensitive subject to us. Prohibition. It's a really sensitive day to prohibition because it's like a day we celebrate freedom, but so many of us don't have freedom. But Bill Morte represented our freedom um, by passing away on the 4th of July by having he had two major heart attacks. He died in the prison yard. And Eugene Fisher was a really close friend with him, um, and they met during both their life sentences. He was serving a life sentence and died there. And, I, you know, it just hurts that we have over 50 people serving life sentences, and they all could die there just like Bill Morte did at any point in time. So that's why we've got to be in such a hurry to end the war so that nobody else has to die there in prison for a plant. Also rest in peace to Larry Harvey who fought for a plant by going to D.C. He fought for a plant and his whole family, while his whole family is facing charges, he, he passed away right in the middle of, of the war. Rest in peace, Larry, and to D. Young for giving us Adam and to Curtis Cecil whose father is in prison. He Curtis died while his dad was serving a sentence right in the middle of this war. And also rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cassie Hyde, who are using the plant to treat their illnesses. Well, when their caregivers, their brain tumors, when their caregivers were raided, these old babies were not able to get their medicine no more, and they died in the war. Um, also rest in peace to Bernardo Puma Martinez, who was trying to educate everybody about how the benefits of cannabis and the whole world about the plant prisoners and how prohibition is in the United States of America. Also, rest in peace to Elaine Sammons, a member of the Onac tribe. Uh, she's an Onac tribal member who was using the medicine, sending it to a fellow tribal member when the post office intercepted it. And Elaine got really, really, really sick while she was waiting for her medicine because they didn't want to give it back. And all illnesses just grew out of control, and she passed away in the middle of the war. And also, rest in peace to Oscar, who is Eugene and Georgie's friend, who went to FBI in the sky, and to all of our life prisoners who are in prison, we want them free so they don't have to die there. So please help us in prohibition today so all of our lifers and all the rest of the plant prisoners can return home to their families. Thank you for listening to the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show. And check out this song. It is a real one. It's just a plant. Have a beautiful Sunday, and thank you for listening.
no clothes, you gotta read it. I smoke so much, THC, I bleed it. Take up without Mary Jane, damn, I need it. I love to watch it grow, it's a formula, I feed it. Eating edibles, packing bongos, cutting up grass like on the lawn It's just a plant, a usable herb. We need to go green as what the earth deserves. If we grow hip, we can help save trees. If we grow hip, we can save the economy. We need to grow hip for humanity You need to do your research on hip history 1942 hip was victory Just read that book page for page The information to get you feel Going crazy is a myth. Reefer madness was all a part of Anslinger's bullshit. Their society make people freak out. If they smell marijuana, they for sure flip out. Never the world. Drive off a cliff. Become a sex buzz zombie. Smoking a spliff. Let's go on. Do a propaganda. Do your research. See what you can gather. Hemp marijuana. Be a plate of big cup. In our world's history. Medicine vapor. Real fiber. And nerve we can use I'm just relating facts Spreading news The emperor wears no clothes Please read it Don't run from the tear Better believe it Thank you so much for listening to the Voices of the Cannabis Noise Radio Show. Hopefully you will tune in again next week, and we're going to have a great show for you planned. All right, have a beautiful Sunday, and thank you for listening.